0: Texas Values Facebook supporters and those who listen to our podcasts on the weekends. This is Mary Elizabeth Castle, Director of Government Relations for Texas Values. And I'm so happy to share with you on this chilly Thursday morning some very important updates in the state of Texas. It's been a very busy week and the very first week of January with new laws going into place and a lot happening legally in the pro-life front. And I'm so excited about having an excellent guest today who was right in in the thick of it um, on the radio show today. Today, we have Ryan Bangert, who serves as Senior Vice President for Strategic Initiatives and Special Counsel to the President at Alliance Defending Freedom. He overserves ADF's regulatory practice, government relations, and corporate engagement teams. He also advises executive leadership with strategic initiatives and appears as counsel for ADF clients, and he'll talk very specifically how he was counsel in a very recent pro-life Case because recently he argued before the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit in Texas, uh, for in the state of Texas versus Becerre, where the court rightly decided earlier this week that a 1986 law regarding emergency medical procedures does not mandate hospitals and doctors in Texas to perform abortions. Ryan, welcome to the Texas Values Report.
1: Mary Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to, uh, be able to come on your show and I'm just so grateful for all the Texas values and you do in the state of Texas uh, to advance faith and freedom. Uh, y'all are such a wonderful ally and do such great work in the state. It's wonderful to be on your show.
0: Well thank you so much Ryan for taking time out of your day to be on our show. Um, but before we get started, can you just introduce yourself to our listeners about your role at ADF and describe what it was like arguing a case before the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals?
1: Certainly. I uh, work with our president and CEO, Kristen Wagner. I have the privilege of working with her to uh, help steer the Alliance Defending Freedom. The areas that I oversee, specifically at ADF, are our uh, public policy and legislative team. I also work with our corporate engagement team. We're working hard to uh, partner up with businesses, corporations, both publicly held and privately held, to push ESG and DEI out of the, the corporate space. I also have the privilege of working with something called our Blackstone Legal Fellowship. Uh, It's a training program for attorneys, law students in particular, uh, who want to know more about the way that their faith intersects with the practice of law. And we now have nearly 3,000 graduates from that program all across the country practicing law in federal and state government, private practice, and and the nonprofit space. Uh, the, The case that you mentioned earlier, Texas versus Becerra, Uh, fascinating case, it really arose out of an effort by the Biden administration to issue, to use the administrative state to force emergency room doctors to perform elective abortions. Now, this rule that they issued came immediately after the Dobbs decision. Dobbs, as your listeners know, is a Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe versus Wade, found that there is no constitutional right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution, and left the issue for the states to decide. The Biden administration simply could not stand the thought that states might have the freedom to regulate abortion. So they took this statute called EMTALA, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, a statute that was passed back in the 1970s. It was designed for the purpose of preventing emergency rooms from dumping uninsured patients, which was a problem for a while. Emergency rooms didn't want to treat uninsured patients because they couldn't pay. Well, ImTala prevents that from happening. Nowhere in the statute is the word abortion found. But amazingly, after the Dobbs decision, the Biden administration decided that MTAla was actually a nationwide abortion mandate requiring emergency room physicians to provide abortions.
0: Wow, I mean, this isn't the first for the Biden administration to put words that aren't there in federal law and policy. So it's not a surprise, but can you... Tell our listeners a little more about, uh, you know, how this uh, rule was wrong, you know, what the Biden administration was trying to do, um, and kind of the history of them, you know, making these decisions after Dobbs, and especially after we had so many pro-life successes in Texas.
1: The Absolutely. It's a really good question. And I, I want to take your listeners back to when the Dobbs decision came down. Uh, we had a a number of states that had things called trigger laws. Texas is one of them, and Texas values obviously worked very hard on some of the Texas laws and deserves a lot of credit for what happened in Texas. Here, uh, these trigger laws went into effect, and they immediately uh, limited and and regulated abortion all throughout the country uh, in a way that was never possible before Roe versus Wade was overturned. Now, what happened immediately after that was the federal government decided that they were going to stitch together what we call a nationwide abortion pill market using the federal regulatory state. How did they do that? They did that in three ways. First, they changed the rules governing the distribution of the abortion, the chemical abortion pill called mifepristone. Mifepristone, prior to 2021, was only available for dispensation at the uh, upon a in-person visit to a physician. The Biden administration eliminated that. Now you can send abortion pills in the mail. No in-person visit required, no continuity of care required. The second thing the Biden administration did was it required pharmacies to stock the abortion pill. The third thing the Biden administration did was, what's at issue here, required emergency rooms to provide elective abortions. And In the rule that the Biden administration issued, the administration specifically called out incomplete medical abortions. That's a term of art. What that means is a, an abortion that was initiated using the abortion bill, but was only partially, uh, in their words, successful. In other words, uh, perhaps the woman was in distress, had gone into active labor, but the baby was not, not dead, or the baby had died, but the, was the, the the dead fetus, the dead baby, was still retained inside the woman's womb. Uh, very horrible complications that are frequently caused by the abortion bill. Well, the Biden administration decided to push all of that, all of that mess that they were creating.
0: I think we have a little bit of a pause. Ryan, are you there?
1: Through HHS was this rule that said, you know, if you're an emergency room doctor and you encountered the situation, just finish the, finish the job, complete the abortion. That is not what EMTALO requires. In fact, if you look at the statute, the statute requires that emergency room physicians treat both a pregnant woman and her unborn child. The words are written right there in the statute. The unborn child must be given care just as much and just as just as equally as the pregnant woman is. And so the the Biden administration did the opposite of what the statute required when they passed this rule.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting that not only was abortion not mandated by this rule, but actually the rule says that you must treat in an emergency a woman and her unborn child if she were to come by um, a hospital or emergency room. I I think that's very interesting and kind of, uh, you know, par for the course sometimes for these administrators, uh, these bureaucracies to Uh, say that a law says the opposite of what it actually says in order to fit an ideology or an agenda. Um, But I want to talk about what this means going forward. You know, we have this excellent ruling by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that just very clearly explains, you know, what the law actually says and how it doesn't mandate abortions. But, you know, what does this mean going forward for our Texas pro-life laws and also, um, you know, the issue before the Supreme Court that'll be coming up pretty soon on the chemical abortion pills. You know, how will this ruling affect those issues?
1: Wonderful question. I want to give a lot of credit to the judges who, who considered this issue and I think very impartially and fairly applied the law, all the way from the district court judge in Lubbock, Wes Hendricks, to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, very professionally handled, uh, very courageously handled. Um, I know these judges um, are always in public scrutiny under the public eye, and they they really called balls and strikes here. Uh, it is difficult to overstate just how radical the Biden administration's rule departed from the text of the statute. Uh, the statute, of course, is nothing, says nothing about requiring abortions. Um, the Texas statute, on the other hand, does restrict abortion. This is the Texas pro-life statute, the, T, uh, the Texas um, Life Act. It requires that uh, doctors not provide abortions, but it does carve out exceptions. And one of those exceptions is if a woman's life is threatened by a pregnancy, doctors can, in those tragic circumstances, terminate a pregnancy. Um, If a woman's life is truly threatened by a pregnancy, that still stands. That law still protects women. Women are still protected. The Mtala statute had, had said nothing about that, had nothing to do with that. Um, and so this ruling does not preclude Texas doctors, I want to be very clear about this, does not preclude Texas doctors from addressing life-threatening search situations involving women. That's always been the case in Texas. In fact, that's the case in all 50 states across the country. So this ruling will have, will have no impact on the ability of doctors to treat women under those tragic circumstances. Um, what it does do, however, is it protects the rights and consciences of doctors in emergency room physicians who object to providing elective abortions when a woman's life is not threatened by the pregnancy. The other thing this ruling does is it protects uh, state laws that restrict elective abortions like the law in Texas from being overridden, or in the words of the law, preempted by federal law. Now, one thing to, be, to take note of, the ruling of the Fifth Circuit only applies in the state of Texas and to members of my client organizations. The American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, APLOG, and the Christian Medical and Dental Association, CMDA, who were the plaintiffs in the case. So the members of those organizations plus the state of Texas are covered. But the rest, of this, this guidance document that was issued by, uh, by the Biden administration still applies in the rest of the country. And so it's going to be con- it's going to continue to be litigated. There's a case pending right now coming out of Idaho that's going up to the appellate court in San Francisco called the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, raising this same question. And we'll see what happens there, uh, but I think this case will continue. This this issue will continue to be litigated to resolution, and it may end up going to the U.S. Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, that's very important to know. Uh, this debate is ongoing. You know, even though we have our pro-life laws being in effect in Texas and saving you know, thousands of babies' lives, there's still debate about the intricacies and the exceptions in the law. And you saw this, you know, even with the Kate Cox uh, case, you know, just the uh, argumentation, you know, to take down the whole law, they want to say that there's some discrepancies or doctors are unsure. Um, Can you comment a little bit on that about the exception in the laws, you know, whether or not it's clear and you know, what do you think doctors are actually doing? Are they really confused? Um, you know, was the Kate Cox a case rightly decided? You know, what's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I think doctors, for the most part, at least speaking with my clients, APLOG and CMDA, they're pretty clear on the circumstances that would warrant a, what they would call a termination of a pregnancy and the tragic circumstances where the life of the woman is at risk. Uh, this is something that doctors, gynecologists, obstetricians have done for years, They'll continue to do as part of the course of treatment. There's really not confusion on their part. Uh, I think in the Kate Cotts case, uh, you know, obviously, one, it's difficult to know the motivations of individuals uh, who we don't know. But I think it's very telling that uh, she did travel out of the state to obtain an abortion, something that she could have done right up at the very beginning, but chose not to do so because mm-hmm. obviously wanted to challenge the law in Texas. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, I do think it was interesting, though, that that was made into a cause celeb, as they say, um, when when she probably always she always had the option of traveling out of state. So uh, I, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, doctors know how to do this. They've been done it for years. The law has allowed it. It allows it in all 50 states. There's no question about what the law permits in these circumstances. Um, one thing that you'd also mention, I want to point out is there is a case going to the U.S. Supreme Court right now. It's not the Antala case. It's not this one but it's a case involving whether or not the FDA properly removed the requirement of in-person dispensing of the drug mifepristone. That's the chemical abortion drug that leads to many of these emergency room situations where women walk into the emergency room in distress, and it's going to, be, it's going to continue to cause these problems, and perhaps would cause them in even greater numbers, because no longer are women required to have in-person Uh, doctor care when they're receiving these very dangerous medications. Um, They're going to be simply ship these medications in the mail, open up the package, take the drugs at home and hope for the best. It's not a very good way to practice medicine, but yet the Biden administration has allowed this to happen following the Dobbs decision. Uh, That's what we're challenging. We're challenging this, this removal of basic protections for women. Basic, I mean, these are things that have been in place since the mifepristone drug was approved back during the Clinton administration. These restrictions applied all throughout the Obama administration, all throughout the Obama administration, in-person doctors visits were required. Only when Biden gets into office and realizes that Dobbs is going to be uh, decided the way it was, um, does he put these, these uh, measures into place that, res- that completely remove basic protections for women who are taking these very, very dangerous drugs. So Um, I think this is a very important case, uh, not just for the pro-life movement, but for basic women's health. Uh, I think we need to return sanity to the practice of medicine uh, over the political uh, decisions of the FDA under the Biden administration.
0: You're absolutely right. They're playing politics over safety because not only do these pills take the life of a pre-born child, but a lot of women are dying. Uh, They're experiencing abortion alone, basically, when they're uh, able to get these pills um, without seeing a doctor. And, you know, even with getting them in a clinic, they take the second pill at home and are dealt, have to deal with those uh, effects by themselves. So hopefully, I believe confidently, you know, actually that the Supreme Court will, will rule right in this uh, case. But it's a very important one to note because it goes into different aspects of the pro-life movement that are developing, you know, after we were able to have these pro-life laws, we saw a lot of people trying to sneak in these abortion pills into states um, to try to illicitly sell them online, so there's various methods and various levels of work that we have to do. Um, But this will be an interesting case to watch at the Supreme Court, and I'm sure you and your team will uh, be there. Um, One last question, you know, uh, the clients in this case or the people bringing the suit against the Biden administration's regulations, uh, the Christian Medical Dental Association, I believe, and um, the other doctors, can you just briefly talk about, you know, how there are doctors out there who have religious health beliefs and um, who have pro-life beliefs, and you know how we can support them so they can feel um, that they can confidently represent their pro-life views and religious liberty views um, in their work.
1: Yeah, absolutely, there are a lot of doctors out uh, in the in the practice right now who I think are mortified by what they see the FDA. And HHS doing uh, the politicization of healthcare. We saw it with the COVID vaccine mandate that was successfully challenged at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, we're seeing it again with the, the with this monkeying around of the, with the requirements um, on Mifepristone, with the uh, this mandate to provide abortions in emergency rooms. Uh, just the politicization of healthcare is really unconscionable, and I think a lot of doctors are very concerned about it because uh, healthcare ultimately is about uh, doing what's best for all patients, pregnant women, unborn children, and the families that they're they're part of. Um, and removing that ethic from the practice of healthcare, I think is incredibly cynical. So uh, yes, there, there are a lot of doctors who are doing the right thing. And I would just tell your listeners, continue to support groups like Texas Values, uh, like Alliance Defending Freedom, who are working hand in hand to support and, and, and come alongside these groups to defend their freedom of conscience, to defend their religious liberty freedoms, so that they can practice health care in a way that is not only consistent with the religious faith, but consistent with good medical ethics. Uh, so I would just urge your listeners, continue to support good groups like yours, um, because really, the, we're the front line. We are standing on the front line of defending the right of doctors to do the right thing for their patients.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing with us today. I I appreciate your good work that you uh, do on all issues, but particularly in this case. And just tell our listeners where they can find more information about ADF in this case in particular.
1: Certainly. ADFlegal.org. That's ADF-L-E-G-A-L.org. It's our website. We post pages for all of our cases, uh, and we'd love to engage with you there. Uh, Mary Elizabeth, such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Please give my best. Uh, Texas Values has always been such a great friend and ally of ADF, and keep up the good work there in the state of Texas.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Ryan. Take care. Take care. All right. Well, that's very interesting news on the pro-life front. And we've had a lot of interesting news on a lot of our issues this first week in January. Uh, Just to recap, in January 1st, some laws that were passed in the legislative session went into effect. Uh, You can find more information from us about some of those laws. Uh, Not all of them particularly deal with our issues, but it's good to know uh, that there were some new laws that we came into in the new year. Uh, Secondly, this has been international news on the issue of gender identity. The United Nations is under hot water for naming a man as an ambassador for women for the United Kingdom. Uh, As we're seeing, we're seeing more men invade women's spaces. So it's very important to keep up with this information and continue to fight for uh, the true true identities of male and female and what that means. Uh, Next USA Boxing. We have a new uh, affront to women's sports with USA Boxing. They have become the newest offender in destroying women's sports by creating policy allowing men to box women. Now, I did martial arts for several years, so I know firsthand uh, how that could be. So we need to make sure that on the national front that these different sports organizations are not uh, creating policies where men are Competing in women's sports. Thankfully, we have our Texas laws to prevent that, but the work uh, still uh, continues to make sure that those laws are followed uh, even across the country. And we're seeing this issue become not just a Texas issue, but a national issue as well. Lastly, don't forget that the Texas Rally for Life is January 27th. Uh, If you're going to participate in that, which I encourage you to do, encourage you to bring your families, to bring your students, to bring uh, people from your church to the Texas Rally for Life. It's our Texas version of the larger uh, March for Life that's in Washington, D.C. every year. Um, But it's right down in downtown Austin at the Capitol. So many people from San Antonio, I think even from North Texas, come and travel to this event. We usually always have a table at the Texas Rally for Life. So be sure to come by our table to say hello, grab some information about our pro-life laws, Uh, Even maybe grab some merchandise um, because we have that as well. Uh, Speaking of merchandise, if you ever want to purchase something that has, you know, your favorite organization, Texas Values, on it, uh, you can go to txvalues.org and purchase a t-shirt, a mug. Um, I think we even have the infamous Stanley Cups with the Texas Values logo on them. So you can go to our website to learn more about that. Um, We also, like I said, we have the March for Life in DC coming up, but this will be a huge month for pro life issues, and that's why I'm so excited. We were able to have Ryan Binger on the show to talk about this recent pro life development. Uh, This is, you know, something that. We'll be continuing work, as I mentioned, making sure that our pro-life laws are enforced. Uh, You can go to TexasHeartbeatLaw.com to look at the little ticker to see how many lives we've saved since the Texas Heartbeat Law, uh, because that has been very impactful. And according to Wikipedia, as they say, the Texas Heartbeat Law actually led to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. But as we're in this month of thinking about pro-life and these pro-life issues, um, it's important to... Make sure that people are educated, uh, that they know what the law is in Texas, especially with a lot of the news uh, of different lawsuits and different arguments on this issue. And it's important that your pastor gets involved as well. I believe sometime in January, don't have the exact date yet. uh, There is a special Sunday that is Respect Life Sunday where pastors across the United States uh, will say something um, in regards to supporting life. So uh, that's something you can put in your pastor's ear uh, if you're able to, to make sure that your church honors life on Pro life or sanctity of life Sunday. Um, but that's it. As far as updates, as always, please follow us on Facebook. If you are listening to this uh, podcast on Facebook live, be sure to share it on your own personal Facebook page. Um, also, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can find not only our Texas value report episodes, but you can find different videos that we've done. Uh, one, Good, interesting project that we've done that'll become pretty relevant again soon is the five things to know about Title IX. Uh, you can find videos like that on our YouTube channel. Also, if you want more materials to learn from about what we've done in this session, we have our first ever Texas Values 2000. 2000- 23 year in review magazine Uh, this is a great asset to share with your friends Uh, if you're a professional in this space this is a good way to uh, have a copy of this on your coffee table in your waiting room and reception room once we get those printed but right now you can find this magazine at txvalues.org i guarantee you will gain a lot from flipping through this magazine it's just a good memento to talk about the different achievements we had during the legislative session. Well, it's been a great Texas Values Report recording, having wonderful guests and sharing the recent news in Texas in this first week of January. It's been Mary Elizabeth Castle with Texas Values. Have an excellent week and weekend, and we'll see you next time.